Have you seen it? You're good. Okay, you're good. Good. Next graphic. <laughs> Next graphic. Slide. What's up, Candy Fam? My name's Nate. That's David, and this is Talking Candy. Each week, we record this podcast to give you an idea of what's going on in the Candy MLB NFT marketplace and show you what we saw, what stood out to us, and what we think you should know. So if these videos, these podcasts are entertaining and helpful in any way, uh, like and subscribe goes a long way in helping us grow. And while David and I both own candy collections of our own, this is not financial advice. Please do your own research. We're just here to have a good time. So David, good to have you here. How you doing? Doing good, Nate. It's been an interesting week. Um, lots to talk about, but I'm glad we're back again. I've been excited, waiting all weekend to record this podcast. Same. It was it was definitely an exciting week. We've continued to see the slight downtrend, but that has not come without exciting sales and some other exciting pieces, which I guess we will we will kick it right off and uh, and get into the first exciting piece here, which is the Vladdy Jr one of one poll mm -hmm. something that a lot of us have been waiting for well there's three of them that we've been waiting for but we got one of them this week and mm -hmm. so with that it leaves tatis and trout as the two remaining from the consensus top six but yeah this was uh this was a pretty exciting thing to have happen the discord went pretty crazy when when it got pulled uh, yeah and for those who weren't on the discord it, it got pulled um, in the afternoon this past saturday and uh, as soon as it happened, uh, someone noticed it and things erupted because that is, as you said, one of the three big pulls that were left. Yep. And they've they've got it listed, I think, around 100K right now. I haven't I haven't checked, which obviously is in line with what the Otani sold for. So, yeah, I don't know if they I mean, obviously, they're semi interested in selling it if they have it listed there, because certainly somebody could make that decision. Vlad is not necessarily on the same tier as Otani in terms of price or fandom yet, but you could see somebody spending that on this. I mean, he's got as much upside as anybody. And just because his price is half of the core price for Otani, I think that anything goes with the one of ones. You just never really know what somebody might be willing to pay. And one Otani sale does not dictate everything. Mm -hmm. Well, and um, things have been rumored but it's been said that the otani for 100k that there might have been some side deal type of stuff going on there and so the actual purchase for that otani one of one might have actually exceeded 100k we don't know exactly what happened on the back end with that sale yeah it would be nice to get that information because it would provide more context and because there's so few sales of this nature that that's really all we have to go off of for a baseline. So it would be nice to to have that data for sure. I did check though. Uh, the Vlad one of one has been relisted for one point seven million. Okay. Uh, I think the owner has been kind of toggling between a more realistic a hundred k figure and the multi million figure yeah. that it sometimes shows up as. But they're excited. They pulled a one of one. Um, that's great news for them. And so they just want to see their their listing come up a few times. Yeah. Who can blame? By all means, flex away, flex away. We're all excited for you. So let's uh, let me pull up 
the let me pull up all the legendaries that have sold so far actually uh here we go um sales so at this point we have seen eight legendary one of ones sell and we had the the cj abrams and the nolan arenado go very early on for 7.8 and 15,000. Shane Langoliers, if I'm saying that correctly, it was another one that's by far the cheapest one that went for 3,200. And then obviously Otani, but recently in the last two weeks or so, we had Royce Lewis, he went on the 17th, I believe. And then just in this last week, we've had Frazier, Cole and Turner and They've all, well, Turner had been listed for, for a little bit, but Cole and Frazier sold very quickly when they were listed. Well, they were priced to move. And I think it shows, and it shows that people are watching those listings because with that, with that Justin Turner listing that had been there for a little while, it got lowered to that 6,000 price point and it didn't last long. So there are people with eyes on the prize here waiting for something to creep into their price range and they pulled the trigger. Gotcha. So I didn't realize that the Turner had been lowered. I wasn't sure if that one had been sitting there. But yeah, like the the Adam Frazier was listed for all of five minutes, literally. I, I tweeted out the listing because I just happened to be on the marketplace. When it got listed, it was the first one right at the top. I tweeted it and I, I posed the question, how long will this last? And almost by the time I clicked submit, it had sold. So and I think that we had had that same conversation about the Royce Lewis uh, which sold for 55. And, you know, I think you can have the same conversation about the Garrett Cole, which sold for just under 7K. I understand pricing to sell, but there's a point where you just, you'd think you'd want to just test it a little bit, you know, kind of do like a Dutch auction style where, I don't know, they sold that quickly for a reason. There are people that believe that these are worth that and that somebody else was going to grab it if they didn't. So there's an art to this, but obviously if you pulled any of these cards in a $50 pack, it's still a huge win. Not trying to criticize anybody's methods, but it is interesting to look at and analyze how people's minds work and how they go about liquidating these cards. The other thing to keep in mind is these are cards that are getting pulled from packs that cost $1,200, $1,300. If you're one of the people buying packs and opening them, if someone could tell you that you'd be guaranteed to get a legendary in only four packs, in only five packs, you would take that mm -hmm. and you would open those packs. And that's the price that these people are, are accepting. They're accepting a five-pack price on their legendary when in reality... Uh, there's only one legendary in every 200 packs to start with. It's slightly less than that right now because uh, just the way things have been pulled, we're, we're a little bit more likely to see a legendary from the all-star packs get sold, pulled right now compared to the original odds. But only just. And, and yeah, at those prices for those packs, you would expect a higher price tag on these one-of-ones. I agree. It's... uh. Yeah, I, I think that's a really cool way to look at it, actually, is is putting it into how many packs could you get for that. And yeah, these these prices do not personally make sense to me. That being said, it's a lot of money. Everybody's in a different position. You can't argue with somebody wanting to put $5,000 in their pocket, $7,000 in their pocket. It's a lot of money. Uh, but just in the in the bubble of this project, it feels very low. 
it feels like whoever is is pocketing these is they're going to have either a really nice collectible that they got at a bargain or something that's going to appreciate immensely somewhere down the road for them to to make a decision so it's pretty cool stuff right and, and many of the people who open these legendaries they didn't pay $1200 a pack for them uh, they paid $50 mm-hmm. for their pack back in October. And so you, you can't really argue with that type of uh, return on investment, $7,000 for something you paid $50 for. Yeah, decent ROI, decent ROI. <laughs> All right, so moving to uh, some of the big sales. already had the... Okay, so we've got Soto. The Soto 28 of 30 went for 5500 mm-hmm. That was a, a huge sale this week. And again, these are all doing my best to tweet these out when I see them, try and do a recap of the night before each morning, as well as anything that I notice throughout the week, fueled by both myself and David keeping close tabs on on the market. So give Talking Candy a follow if you haven't already. The other couple other big ones here were the two trout rares that sold on the same day. These sold uh, the same day as the Vlad got pulled. So that was just a really exciting. I think that was all on Saturday, right? <laughs> Right. So pretty wild Saturday. Uh, We had the serial 25 go for 4,000 and the lower serial seven go for 4,700. We also saw the one of 30 DeGrom go for Mm -hmm. 4,000. That was a pretty, pretty exciting one, but also feels like a pretty good deal for the serial one uh, on a guy like DeGrom. He's not in the top six, but he is right up there with, with the studs of the MLB. So that was another exciting one. one of these three Otani Uncommons was from the prior week, but two of them were in this this last week. So a card that we hadn't seen sell any of in a month. I think it had been exactly 30 days when the first one was sold. We've now seen three of them go in just under two weeks at 2100 2500 and 2350 So those are pretty cool to see go. Bobby Witt Jr., 10 of 40, went for 2600 and then we also had a couple more young guys. We had the 2500 for three of 30 Bo Bichette epic. And then not as much money, but $460 for the, the perfect serial Jason Dominguez uncut, which was a cool card. Mm-hmm. Um, stop me if there's any of these that you want to comment on, but I just figured I'd just run through them just to give the over overview. No. And then the, the packs, the uncut diamond packs, as well as the all-star packs. I've only got the graphic for the uncuts here, but... We saw, you know, similar to the market dipping, although we haven't really seen the packs follow suit with the card floors yet, but they did this week. So we had the uncut diamonds. Those had been selling for pretty consistently around 550, would you say? 550, 600, they would kind of mm-hmm. fluctuate. And then we had one night where they it was actually two nights ago and it dipped all the way down to 450 and it's kind of held there we had 12 or 13 packs sell overnight at a very very tight range uh, right around 450 and then in addition to that the all-star packs that had been going for a little over 1300 on average those are now kind of steadily under 1200 kind of like i think there's a couple available on the market for 1180 1190 right now if i'm remembering correctly so it was we had the Vlad pull, but that wouldn't impact the uncut diamonds, but everything's been down a little bit. Just interesting. Interesting to see what they'll continue to do. But yeah, that's all I got for the uh, for the big sales. The only one that kind of sticks out to me 
and it wasn't that huge of a price tag, but uh, Bryson Stott is one of 40 epic, just being that number one. And that didn't make a tweet, um, but that was still a pretty important sale that happened yesterday morning. Mm-hmm. And there's been a second DeGrom epic that sold. The 3 of 30 was actually sold earlier today at, at a pretty good bargain at 1500 Oh, yeah, I did. I, I tweeted that one out. I forgot to pull that up there. But yes, good, good call. That one was that was a pretty good discount. Um, we also saw the the one of 60 Bogarts sold today for 1250. Um, and we saw an uncommon trout go for 2000 as well. So lots of big sales, despite the down market, lots of big sales. It's it's exciting to see there's still a lot of people that are betting on this, a lot of people that are adding to their collections. And so mm-hmm. certainly not without excitement over the last week. Do we want to jump into the the move the biggest movers and just the overall movement of of cards? Uh yeah. Cool. Let's start with that. All right. So pulling up the All-Stars all-time volume here first, but I'll let you I'll let you take the lead on this. We have a, a list here of the uh, the all-time highest sales for each rarity category and, and just the overall sales. And so this isn't just for this week. This is overall. And uh, I think it can be a useful place to start uh, when, you're, when you're looking at uh, where these sales are occurring, who's the most popular, uh, and kind of try and figure out why their sales might be so much higher than another player's and if that is translating into a better value, a worse value. And at the top of the list for the cores, we see uh, Yusei Kikuchi, uh, 202 core sales overall. But we're pretty familiar with him. He's been uh, he's been pumped on the Discord quite a bit since the early days of the marketplace. So he's sort of an outlier, uh, a little difficult one to place because his volume or his volume has been high from the beginning, but the uh, the price tag has been consistently tailing off more so than the market as a whole. And we might continue to see that. But other names at the top, uh, Hugh Darvish, uh, Jared Walsh, Shohei Otani. I spelled Shohei wrong. That's embarrassing. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Shuhei Otani. It's okay. I I made Uh, made plenty of mistakes in the early videos. I think (laughs) I I had the... uh, one of the trout sales as his jersey cereal, I called it out as, that I was just mm. completely off on. So, Oof. Well, then I don't feel as bad. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, we see a, we see Yusei Kikuchi at the top of the core list, at the top of the un- uncommon list, and near the top of the rare list. And so uh, it is interesting to see that his, his cheaper rarities moved a lot but that didn't necessarily translate into epic sales he didn't make the top of that list but he does hold the top spot overall the only person to hit that 300 figure it will be interesting to see uh, as his sales have stagnated how long it's going to take for one of these other big movers like Juan Soto uh, I see near the top of the list Yadier Molina, they, they both still move big volumes every week. It'd be interesting to see if any one of those can kind of challenge Kikuchi and approach that 300 sales mark themselves. Yeah, um, Kikuchi is kind of the Dogecoin of, of this market. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily make sense. But for those of us that have been here from the beginning, it's it's been an, a very interesting case study to watch. Mm-hmm. 
that, that's a perfect analogy, actually, yes. And, I mean, I've got a couple Kikuchis myself, uh, so we'll see if that bet pays out. <laughs> yeah, I do, not, I do not personally own any Kikuchi. I, I watched the meteoric rise, and at that point, I was like, okay, I'm just going to I'm going to let this play out and I'll watch mm-hmm. from the sidelines. Mm-hmm. I like starting with these all-time volumes, though, when uh, helping me decide if a card at a particular rarity uh, is going to be a good buy. Uh, because if, and I've touched on this before, but if there's been a lot of sales at that rarity, then that tells you a lot about the number of cards in circulation. And so if you get a good deal on an Aaron Judge Uncommon, then you know that he's already sold 49 uh, Uncommons at this point. And as long as those are in good good hands, as long as the people who bought them are holding on to them, then uh, there's not that many left. Mm-hmm. You know, that's almost half of the 120 that will ever be available. Uh, some of them are undoubtedly still in packs. And so... Uh, it's just a good point of reference to see what's been taken out of circulation so far for these players at these tiers. Yeah, and it's important to remember that some of them have been resold you know, multiple times, but for the mm-hmm. most part, it's not that liquid a market. So it's, and, and we just haven't seen that many variations in the market where people would have opportunities to be, to be buying and selling. So it's a pretty good gauge of what has moved and what is likely being held for the time being. So, yeah, uh, let me pull up the, the movers for the week. So we had Hendricks, Liam Hendricks, a, uh, a rare, exci- uh, not usually on the exciting list of names being the, <laughs> the overall big mover for the week. Um, but was there anything in particular that, that stood out to you here? Uh, what stood out to me was that a lot of these big movers uh, seem to come on the back of sales, on the back of some reduced price points, um, because even you Darvish, who sold third or who sold ten cores this week, uh, he saw a drop in his price overall from one week to the next. At the time that we collected our data, there were some Darvishes that were still available for only fifty dollars. Uh, those have since been snatched up, but we're seeing big sales not necessarily coming from extra demand that didn't exist before, but from extra selling pressure, creating some lower prices and people who have just been watching from the sidelines and who are uh, willing to take advantage of these, uh, these discounts. Uh, because most of the top sellers, at least as far as the cores are concerned, uh, the uncommons, uh, saw a corresponding price decrease from one week to the next. Yeah, there's a lot of people uh, sitting there waiting for weeks like this to happen, and we finally got one. It's been a much, it's been a much more mm-hmm. exciting week to pay attention to what's going on because of that increase in listings. Um, and one of the ones that stood out to me, we talked about, we talked about Bogarts and Correa last week. Bogarts, mm-hmm. uh, he he had he had a fair amount of volume. Actually, yeah, there he is, uh, plus eight this week. But they were they were low. There were there were a lot that I wished that I had seen. There were some fifty dollar ones, some sixty dollar ones, and his floor is right around eighty five, and that has held. But mm-hmm. he moved a lot. 
Correa's Correa's core floor raised. He went. He was one of the top movers. I think he was tied for first, and he moved his floor back up to 100 with some sales. But yeah, like you said, it, not all of these came with huge floor movement. It was more a product of some listing, new listings that came in undercutting the floor that got snatched up by people that are sitting mm-hmm. here believing in the value of, of the current floors and seeing the, the opportunity there. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the ways we can tell that it's these new listings is uh, when you're looking at the marketplace, you can see uh, the total number of active listings. And uh, it took a while for that number to creep back below 14,000, which it had steadily been doing for the previous few weeks. But then starting four days ago, it shot back up uh, several hundred listings on a single day, just as several new kind of motivated sellers uh, started putting their collection on the marketplace. Definitely. Um, so, do you want to do you want to go into any specific notes on All Stars first, or do you want to take a look at the sales volume for the uncut diamonds? Let's take an overview of the uncut diamonds, okay. and then we can uh, pinpoint some of the All unusual right. movements. All right, so we got the all-time sales volume on the the uncut here and this is my first time really seeing the uncut diamonds laid out like this i'd been paying attention to these numbers for the all-stars for a while but uh, paying attention to the prospects at, at least with this amount of detail is a fairly new thing and some of these names i would expect to be seeing on the top uh, especially based upon their their price points you know, Witt Jr. being near the top overall, Julio Rodriguez. But some of them are pretty surprising. Uh, I would not have predicted uh, Nick Gonzalez, for example, to have shown up near the top of so many of these lists based upon the the price point that we typically find him at. Um, But um, again, it's it's a good place to start when you're looking at something to see uh, what's already been moved. With the uncut diamonds, there are more supply at each tier. So instead of 409 core, they have 559 available, 160 uncommon, 80 rare, 40 epics. So it doesn't, it's not a one to one translation with the uh, figures we're used to with the All Stars in terms of how much is sold. But it, it can still be significant to note that almost 30 of you know for example alec thomas's rares have been sold out of the 80 that are available yeah it is uh this is this is new data for me as well and like you said guys like wit and j-rod and cassis being a boston player jason dominguez names you would expect to see but there's there are definitely a couple names on here that that i don't even readily know nick gonzalez is is one of them Mm-hmm. And there he is, number two overall, yep. 264 total sales. So let me pull up the uh, the weekly movement here. The sales that we saw, uh, the 13 cores that Nolan Jones sold, the 12 that Joss Jung sold, um, those all across the board pretty much correlated with a price decrease. On that list of the top six of core sales, only J-Rod 
saw uh, an increase in his core price from one week to the next. Uh, everyone else saw a decrease. And so it just kind of comes back to that increased sales pressure, those extra listings, those undercutting prices. That's what's been moving what's been moving sales this past week. And it's really important to understand the dynamic of the market when you're making decisions about being a buyer or a seller, because to the points that we've made over the last 10 minutes here, there's a big difference between new listings being bought up at cheaper prices versus new demand coming in and raising the floor price. So mm-hmm. you, it doesn't mean that one is right or wrong. It just the, the education is key to understand why the volume is what it is and why are the the floors moving or not moving in the direction that they're that they're headed so just good context good big picture understanding that there is more than one reason for sales volume and personally i'm a buyer more often than not i've been selling off some duplicates when i have more than one copy of the same player but when i'm making purchases uh, when anyone is deciding to make a purchase for the purpose of selling it again at a higher price. Uh, You just have to recognize what you are and what you aren't in control over. If you decide to pick up a card for $40 uh, because you're given to believe that it's worth 50, uh, that should seem like a pretty easy profit. But there's nothing to stop 10 more people from listing their copy of that card at $40 or even lower. Mm -hmm. Uh, And unless you're prepared to buy every single one of those cards, you're not guaranteed to, to get a profit on that purchase you made for some length of time. Mm -hmm. And we're both confident in the long-term value of this project. We've said it once, we'll say it a thousand more times. We love what Candy's doing. We love the product they're putting out. And uh, even with these lulls, with these marketplace dips, that's just great for me to pick up some extra copies myself and squirrel them away uh, until things correct to where I believe they should be. But you have to you have to keep that in mind. You can only control your own actions. You can't control the other 500 people who have another copy of that card that you might want to be selling for a higher price than you paid. Right. And to a point that has been made in the past as well, that is why the entry point is so important because, you know, perfect example of this. I bought a Correa Uncommon. The floor at the time, I think it was about two weeks ago, the floor was 250. Someone listed it for 200. I scooped it up. Wasn't sure what I was going to do with it, but I knew that mm-hmm. maybe there would be a chance to turn it around, but it didn't matter to me because even if I ended up holding it, which is what happened because what you just described is what occurred. We had people come in and list at 230, 220, 210. And so the floor has held, it was still a great entry, uh, mm-hmm. but it was not an instant flip. And and it's not usually gonna be like that because that's just not how this market works. So, mm-hmm. um, but, but there was no, I had no issue with it because I still liked the entry point, even though I hated the player. And <laughs> so it's, you have to be okay with either outcome and knowing Mm -hmm. that you're buying something that you might not be able to liquidate very quickly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Especially at those higher tiers. If you get uh, what appears to be a good deal on a rare, um, there's just not as many people shopping for rares or epics. Uh, And so those, you have to consider those to be longer term holds 
um, if profit is what you're focusing on. If you're just trying to build a strong collection, uh, then definitely just pick price points that you're personally happy with. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that you're going to see it in your collection and be glad that you that you have it definitely and there's plenty of those to be had right now i've definitely picked up some of those over the last few weeks you have as well where it's just Mm -hmm. feeling fortunate to get a card that i wanted that i have no intention of getting rid of uh that that i'm getting at a good price right now as people do come in and and put some new listings out there so Mm -hmm. let's talk about the there's kind of a a movement right now to be picking up these hundred dollar rares that people seem to be posting which a lot of us are appreciating i personally have uh i've picked up a couple red Sox rares that i that i needed avaldi mm-hmm. and barnes right around that hundred dollar price point but yeah the let's see there was a there was in particular here we go there was like a little fire sale here where avaldi rare went for 99 taiwan walker went for 100 gossman went for 100 Hendrix went for a hundred and they all, it was like, I don't know, was it the same person? I didn't, I didn't check, but these, all four of these were four straight sales on the marketplace the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe they did come from the same account and uh, there is something to be said for just that psychological price point that people put in their heads uh, because when you see a blue card come in at $99 or a hundred dollars, it, it looks attractive no matter who the player is. Absolutely. I mean, these blue cards, I've said it before and I'll say it a bunch of times. They're the first ones that really pop off the screen. The mm-hmm. I'm not saying that I dislike the cores of the uncommons. They're still nice cards, but this is the first tier where it's like, okay, I'm getting something special here. And it's the first mm-hmm. serial run that's just really low. And I think that I, I got really excited about candy all over again as if i needed another excuse i got really excited about candy as i watched the the all day cereal runs because this was a new product to me i'm not huge into mm-hmm. top shot I've, I've bought some in the past but seeing the cereal runs again seeing the what happened with the prices we do not appreciate how low these cereal numbers are we don't mm-hmm. and we won't until we get another another set, another run of packs, and we find out what it is that Candy has in store for the new serial runs. Will cores be 1,500? Will they be 2,500? We don't know. But mm-hmm. all we know is that these cards, whether it's 409 or 60 or 30, are going to look so much more attractive when we get that new set of cards. And mm-hmm. I really think it's being slept on, and I think that these rares are... And Merrifield for 135, like any hitter rare. I mean, I know that some of these were, a lot of these were pitchers and those aren't as attractive, but I mean, Chris Bryant, 425, Buster Posey, 600, Frazier, 175, uh, Teoscar Hernandez, 220. I mean, I like these buys a lot. I like them a lot. I like rares a lot. And I think that people are going to be happy that they're that they're picking these up at the prices that they're at right now. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, it's interesting that you mentioned the uh, yeah the NFL all day um, their mint counts uh, because their their rares are uh, higher in number than the entire set of for these players mm-hmm. on this first drop of candy packs. Over six hundred and twenty of their of their rares. And uh, 
And that's everything on Candy. That's the cores, the uncommons, the rares, the epics, and the legendary all put together. Just barely make up that 620. And as as the Candy user base grows, and, and we've seen we've seen a lot of growth these past six months, and and I think we have a lot more ahead of us, uh, especially as they add additional sports to their arsenal. You know, they recently did the racing drop uh, that went very well, had a lot of sales there, a lot of new faces on the Discord, and they've got the the college basketball drop coming up next week. And we're just going to see new people getting clued in to the candy user base. And the next time that the candy user base doubles or triples or goes 10x, uh, we'll really gain an appreciation for the scale of these drops. Yeah, I saw somebody in the Discord uh, the other day say something about they had gone into the all-day Discord and there was somebody that thought that all Candy did was NASCAR or racing, and <laughs> which is it's pro- it's a that's a good thing because it means right. that there is this untapped user base that just doesn't even know what Candy is about yet, and mm-hmm. so there are some people saying you know when marketing when marketing, okay, but it doesn't make sense to market right now all you would be doing is frustrating new users that didn't get in on the $50 packs, getting introduced to $500 packs and $1,200 packs and core cards mm-hmm. with high floor prices. It's not the right time to, to have a big influx of new users. You're just going to alienate people with frustration. But the C- if the CBA gets signed, when the CBA gets signed, mm-hmm. you combine that with a new pack drop that's affordable and a chance for everybody we see that marketing. We see the people that are already fans of everything that Dapper is doing. There's so much overlap there. Mm-hmm. We're going to see that 2x, 3x to the user base. And and that's going to be the next big event within this project. And it, it's mm-hmm. something that we're all very much looking forward to, without a doubt. And, and even without a change in the size of the user base, um, once they add cryptocurrency payments, there were people within this space that have been sitting on cryptocurrency, just waiting for the chance to use it and put it towards this pro- put it towards this project, and and I think that's going to be huge, especially for for the prices on some of these. We talked about the legendaries earlier. I think there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be willing to drop four and five figures on their legendary of choice once they don't have to put it on a credit card, mm-hmm. once they don't have to pay an extra you know, 3% fees uh, to make that sale happen. And once they're able to tap into that reserve of wealth that they have, mm-hmm. that's sitting in Ethereum, for example. Right. Because people that bought Ethereum even just a year ago today are sitting on at least a 2x, right? So it's mm-hmm. a much different mindset. It's a much different form of currency when the the USD amount attached to the purchase is not the same as the seed mm-hmm. money that went into that that Ethereum or whatever else it may be. So, so many exciting things to come. Uh, so many events that you just, you know, are going to, to create a pump in this project for very real reasons. And once we start to see marketing, once we get a baseball season, I mean, I know we sound like a broken record, but <laughs> it's exciting. 
So were there any uh, particular sales this week that that you were excited about? I know we haven't talked a whole lot about our own personal collections other than just in passing when it's relevant to what we're talking about. But was there anything mm -hmm. that jumped out this week as uh, particularly exciting? Um, well, I'm always trying to upgrade the cards of my collection if possible to get a either low serial number of the card I already have or a higher tier rarity if a good deal jumps out at me. And uh, one I felt particularly particularly good to pick up was a few days ago. I picked up the uh, Walker Bueller Uncommon, a serial number 23 out of 120. I paid 150 for that one, which was a good bit below the, the floor price at the time. And the floor price is settling about, about there, but that feels like a good entry price for one of the lower serial numbers. And um, after I picked it up, I actually was looking over the history of the Walker Bueller Uncommon sales, and this specific card has already been sold at least twice. It was sold on February 17th for $200, and it was sold on February 6th for $220. So it's changed hands twice now, losing money each time, mm -hmm. but uh, it's found a good home. Yes. Uh, I'm going to be holding on to this one for the foreseeable future. Nicely done. Uh, at some point, yeah, at some point, I'd like to have my entire collection uh, uncommon or better. Uh, and prior to this, uh, my best Walker Bueller was a core. But I'm, I'm glad to have this uncommon at the price I got it for. And I'm glad that someone was willing to, to let it go. Definitely. Yeah, that's a that's a good buy. For me, I had I, I checked a pretty exciting box this week. Uh, I've been working on on collecting all of the Red Sox stuff. I've got all the play of the days mm -hmm. that are relevant to the Red Sox uh, in a positive way. And uh, and I also have <laughs> at, at least a core or better of of all of the cards. But the last the cherry on top was uh, was the Fenway Park Stadium Series, which mm -hmm. was had eluded me. Unfortunately, I got into this project just a little bit too late to to mint one of these. Uh, but I finally saw an opportunity this week. It was the day that the OpenSea listings were going to get wiped. This mm -hmm. was this was ending that night at 8 o'clock. It was listed a little bit before the floor. The floor had been established with only a couple listings at 0.4 ETH for, for a little while. And I was able to, to put in an offer at 0.31 and, and have it accepted. And I was really excited. They accepted it 15 minutes before my offer was going to expire. <laughs> I got the notification on my phone. I was sitting watching TV. And yeah, this is this is an exciting one. I don't know what's what's to come with the stadium series. There's a lot of a lot of uh, whispering and murmuring about about what the utility is going to be and what it might look like. But this is something that I will never, ever sell. This is this is sitting in the personal collection forever. And I saw that sale. I think it was either later that night or the next day. And uh, I saw your name next to it. And, and I I was I was happy for you to see the, the great deal you got on it. Uh, and I'm excited. I've got a few stadiums myself that I've been holding on to for a few months. Uh, I'm excited to be able to bring those over to the candy marketplace at some point. Mm -hmm. and, and I know that's on the horizon. And they're they're still discussing what what the utility might be stretching forward from those stadium mints. But that Fenway Park is beautiful and you can't beat the price. Yep. 
Yeah, it was it's it was not cheap, but compared to what the floor had been and where <laughs> I think it's headed, I I think I kind of got it in the final hour here. So remains <laughs> to be seen. We'll see how it plays out. But I wanted one. I have one, and uh, the deed is done. So, but um, but yeah, if that's uh, if that's all you got, that's all I got. So, my name is Nate. That's David. This is Talking Candy. We appreciate you guys being here, and we will see you guys in the next one.